Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, President of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You. And we've got a great program lined up for today. On the second half of the program, we have a very special guest all the way from the Holy City, Jerusalem, the footstool of God. Israel Stefanski will be with us in the second uh, segment. And we've been learning in these first segments where we do a teaching about the ancient Jewish concept of blessing. We've been learning about this wonderful Hebraic concept of blessing. We've seen that everyone has a deep cry within them to be blessed and chosen. We've learned about Esau's reaction in Genesis 27 when he did not receive the blessing from his father. And in desperation, Esau cried with a loud and bitter cry, Is there a blessing for me too? And I believe that there is the same cry within Christians today because of a misunderstanding of the purpose of God's blessing and chosenness upon the tiny nation of Israel. And because God chose Israel to be blessed and set apart from all the other nations of the earth, the question has arisen over the centuries in the hearts of many Christians. If the Jewish people are blessed and chosen, does this mean Gentile Christians from the nations are second-class citizens in God's family? Are Christians chosen? Are Christians blessed? These are the questions. Are Christians blessed with the blessing that God gave to Abraham? And the confusion over this question of the chosenness of Israel has caused so much jealousy within the church for centuries. And I believe it's the root of this envy and jealousy that led Christian leaders over the centuries to cause such harm towards the Jewish people. And they started teaching a theology which is known today as replacement theology, supersessionism, or triumphalism, because in their envy of the Jews... They started teaching that the church has really become the chosen people. They've replaced the Jews. They've superseded the Jews. They have triumphed over the Jews. So did not these church leaders that have taught this theology for 2,000 years, have they not read the Bible? And if they did, there would be no jealousy or envy or strife with our Jewish family. Paul said it was through the Jews that came the promises, the covenants, and the fathers of the faith, and the Jewish Messiah. If there had been no Jews, think of this, we wouldn't have the Bible. If there had been no Jews, we wouldn't have Jesus, who is Jewish, the Jewish Messiah. Uh, for 2,000 years, the church, for the most part, has misunderstood the chosenness of Israel and the chosenness of the nations. We saw last week that God's choice of Israel was not based on personal merit. In Deuteronomy 7, 6-7, God says to Israel, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all people. So God says, I chose Israel because I, I loved Israel. That's why I chose her. And the word there for love in Deuteronomy 7 is the Hebrew word ahava. And in this word, there are three letters, aleph, hay, and bait. We saw this last week. And uh, in this word ahava, it means love. And the letter aleph, the picture graph, 
Every letter in Hebrew has a pictograph and a meaning. The pictograph is the picture of an ox head. The meaning is sacrifice. The letter hey, the pictograph is the picture of an open window. The meaning is the breath, wind, or spirit of God blowing through the open window of a soul. And then the third letter, bait, is the pictograph. It's a picture of an outline of the foundation of a house. The meaning is a house or a family. So what God is saying to Israel in Deuteronomy 7, I desire to lay my life down for you in sacrifice. Breathe my spirit through the open window of your soul and you in a, into a family where I can build my house. In the Old Testament, it was the temple where I can dwell in relationship with you. So God needed to start with someone. So he started with Abraham, the man of faith. And his family would become the servant priest nation to bring God's love to the whole world. So God says to the Jewish people, I chose you because I love you. All of hay and bait, ahava, I love you. So I want you and desire for you to become a servant priest nation to all the other nations of the earth. God says to Abraham in Genesis 22, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He says to Israel in Exodus 19, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You can see the same principle in the uh, 12 tribes of Israel. God sets aside, chooses Levi as the priestly tribe to all the other tribes of Israel. So all the nations of the earth, Israel has been chosen uh, out of all those nations to be a servant priest nation to the nations of the world. So in choosing Israel for this purpose, God was not playing favorites. God never plays favorites, but he does make distinctions. He's made distinction between light and darkness. He's made a distinction between male and female. The Sabbath day and the other six days of the week, he's made a distinction between righteousness and unrighteous, righteousness, the holy and the common. And he's made a distinction between Israel and all the other nations. So this chosenness has brought great persecution towards the Jewish people over the centuries. Because in in uh, actuality, God chose Israel to be kind of like an alarm clock to the world. Because through the Jewish people, God's moral law was given to the world. And all the nations haven't really enjoyed God's moral law. They've rebelled against God, and they've held contempt for uh, his chosen people, because no one likes an alarm clock. You ever saw the movie Fiddler on the Roof? Remember Tevia? He was praying one day, and he said to God, I know we're the chosen people, but every once in a while, could you please choose someone else? Because his little uh, community was being persecuted because they were Jews. So the church needs to awaken to the chosen of, chosenness of Israel, and stop with the envy towards the Jewish people. Uh, the church has also a distinct calling, a special calling and chosenness uh, from God. We see this in John 3.16, the same Hebrew word that God uses in the choosing of Israel. He uses for the nations, for God so loved Ahava, the whole world. He loves every nation. The same three Hebrew letters, olive, hay, and bait. Sacrifice is olive, hay is an open window where uh, the Lord breathes his spirit through the open window of our souls. And uh, bait means house or family. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. So the Christians have been chosen. First Peter 2, 9-10, speaking to Christians, 
Uh, Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Ephesians 1 through 6, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. Think of it. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So to understand God's chosenness of Israel and the chosenness of the Gentile uh, believers from the nations, read Romans 9, 10, 11. It's probably, for me, the most significant three chapters in my understanding of Israel, the chosenness of Israel and the chosenness of the church. And Paul the Apostle says, although a wild olive shoot, you Gentiles have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant towards the branches and do not become proud. And so Paul saw it coming. He saw in the future there's going to be an arrogance with some Christians towards the Jewish people, the, the natural uh, olive tree and the natural branches. So the church, for the most part, has not heeded Paul's warning. We become proud and arrogant towards the natural branches, the Jewish people, the olive tree of Israel. And the church does not support Israel, the root. That's what Paul says. The root supports the Gentile believers from the nations. So the very foundation of the church has been built on the foundation of Jewish apostles, Jewish prophets, and ultimately on a Jewish Messiah named Jesus. And think of it, because of a misunderstanding of this whole issue of chosenness, it's what led to the crusades against uh, Jerusalem, uh, the pogroms where uh, baptized Christians would drive Jews from their homes, uh, the blood libel, which the church taught during the Middle Ages that the Jewish people, uh, they uh, kidnapped Gentile Christian children during the Passover, and they drain their blood so that they can drink it at Passover. This was really actually taught by the church, a teaching filled with replacement theology against the Jewish people. Another myth was the desecration of the host. Jews were forced during the Middle Ages to wear yellow stars on their clothing because the church taught that the Jews would come into the mass, they would steal the bread, and they would take it home and crucify it uh, uh, crucify Jesus all over again. And so forced baptisms, forced conversions all through the Middle Ages, the Jews were persecuted. And the root of this, I believe, was this issue of chosenness. The church felt jealous over the chosenness of Israel, not really recognizing or seeing that they themselves were actually chosen. So not long after the birth of the church, a jealousy erupted within many church fathers towards the Jewish people over this issue of chosenness. One church father, Justin Martyr, he emphasized the principles of Scripture that once belonged to Jews were now owned solely by Gentiles. They're not yours but ours. We too would observe your circumcision of the flesh, your Sabbath days, and in a word, all your festivals, if we were not aware of the reason why they were imposed upon you, namely because of your sins and the hardness of your heart. So Justin Martyr uh, attacked the Jewish people in his community because I believe he was filled with jealousy over the chosenness of Israel. John Christendom, who was known as the Golden Mouth, he said of the Jewish people, Jews are become worse than the wild beasts. This is one of the fathers of Christianity. 
uh, founders of Christianity. Uh, Jews are become worse than the wild beast, and for no reason at all, with their own hands, they murder their own offspring to worship the avenging devils who are the foes of our life. The synagogues of the Jews are the homes of idolatry and devils, even though they have no images in them. They are worse than even the heathen circuses. I hate the Jews, for they are a law, and they insult it. And so this was all going on during the Middle Ages, this this anger and violence and jealousy towards the Jew. But we today as Christians, we must recognize there is a distinct calling upon Israel, and there's a distinct calling upon the church. And we, we can find this as we delve into Romans 9, 10, 11. Roy Eckhart, uh, a, a Christian leader, once said, once the chosen mission of Israel is denied, the entire foundation of Christianity is taken away. And I, I believe he's right. Uh, one man, Art Katz, he said this, in the wisdom and mystery of God, there is a reciprocal relationship and connection between the two that is so profound, so inextricable, that neither the church nor Israel will ever come to their ultimate fulfillment independent of the other. God has locked us in, the one with the other. We have no awareness of how anemic, loveless, narrow, predictable, and mechanical a fellowship or people are that have lost their identification with Israel. We do not understand that the rudiments of the faith and its very root go deep into the life of that people and that people's God. It is enlarging and liberating to know that we have such an ancestry and such a destiny as had been exclusively reserved for one people alone, the Israel of God, into which we now have been brought by the blood of Messiah. So what Art is saying there is the Gentile nations have been grafted into the nourishing sap of the olive tree. And Galatians 3 says that Christ uh, was died on the cross so that all the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles who believe. So what do we do with this understanding? We, we should rejoice that we uh, as Christians have been chosen in Christ and are accepted by God the Father and embrace God's distinct calling and choice of Israel, thereby honoring the God of Israel. And if you'd like this teaching for a donation of any size, you can go to israelteam.org and you can download this two-part teaching. One is on the chosenness of Christians and the other is on the ancient Jewish concept of blessing. So go to israelteam.org. You can press the donate button and for a donation, you'll be able to get a code that'll download this beautiful curriculum. Be back just in a minute with Israel Stefanski from Jerusalem. Hi, this is Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International, and we are really an educational nonprofit that's helping Christians understand the roots of their faith, go deep in Hebraic thought, and uh, evangelicalism, the millennial generation specifically, is turning away from Israel. So the, the main focus of our organization is mainly on evangelical college campuses where we're trying to turn the tide. Because within 10 years, think of this, evangelicalism could very well be anti-Israel because of the media, social justice movement that is swaying the minds of the younger generation. 
And so one evangelical campus I was recently on, the professor told me they, they brought in a speaker from Israel to talk about the Jewish people, and there was almost a riot on campus. There was a, a group on campus known as the Students for Justice of, of uh, Palestine, and they caused such a ruckus that they had to shut down the chapel service. So these are the things happening out there on evangelical college campuses across America. So what we do is we're building a bridge, a bridge towards the next generation to help them understand their connection to Israel. And wonderfully, Israel team has just received a matching grant for $28,000 from a large foundation that has examined our mission of doing presentations on evangelical college campuses, doing roundtable discussions with professors about this issue of replacement theology. And for matching dollar for dollar over the next three months, if you would like to help us in our mission, you can uh, send your gift to Israel Team, P.O. Box 91779, Mobile, Alabama, 36691. Or you can go to our website, israelteam.org, and you can donate there to help us uh, fulfill this matching grant, dollar for dollar, up to $28,000. Thank you, and God bless you. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Welcome back to Israel and You, and we have a very special guest with us today. It's Israel Stefanski, all the way from the Holy City, the footstool of God, Jerusalem, Israel. And Israel Stefanski is a longtime friend of mine and a friend of our family, kind of a son in our, our home. And Israel, welcome to Israel and You. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So it's, it's great to have you with us, and of course you live in Israel, and you're what uh, is known as a Sabra. And can you tell us what a Sabra is? A Sabra is, in English, the word for cactus, the fruit. And they say about Israelis, why are they sabras? Because they're very prickly from the outside and soft from the inside. That's what they say about Israelis. <laughs> okay. So you're a, a sabra is also a, a native-born Israeli, and, and you've lived in Israel all these years. And how long has your family lived in uh, Jerusalem? My family, my parents moved to Israel in 1969. So after the, the war, they, you know, when the Jews made Aliyah from the U.S. to Israel. So my parents are in Israel already 51 years. Wow. My family. And uh, Israel, you and I met in uh, the summer of 2002 in a little restaurant in the Old City. And uh, after that, you came over, you stayed with our family over the years. And uh, you wrote a chapter in our book uh, that's published by Israel Team called The Casualty of Contempt. And you tell a story of when you were a 15-year-old young boy of what happened during the Intifada, the uprising against the Jews, the the bus bombings and so on. You tell a story of how your life was changed uh, at the intersection in bus number 18. Can you tell us briefly that story? The story is, so in year 2000, the uprising, the Second Intifada, started, and Israel was under what's called waves of suicide bombers and terror activities. And on a Sunday morning, just casual Sunday morning going to school, I was at the crosswalk to go to school, 
and waited to the light to turn green and at the crosswalk on the side the bus number 18 was there he had a green a red light and as i started crossing the bus exploded hmm. and to me that that noise that impact of the explosion that you hear the the screeching this cloud the dark cloud that came out of the bus and kind of froze i froze and then i turned around to see what you know what's really going on and i saw a leg sit you know on the floor next to me I thought for a minute that this was a movie, you know, that's what you're used to watching in movies. But then in that second, I realized like a hand that was pushing me inside. And that was the hand, I'm assuming that was epiphany from God, go onto the bus and help people. This is not a movie. This is real. This is your brothers and sisters now laying dead and needing your help. And that's what I did. I just didn't know. I knew nothing about medical aid. I knew nothing. I just, I'm going to go on the bus and see what I can to help people off the bus and see what I can do. And and I so I did that, went back to school, and in my mind was, wow, what does it mean now to my life of what I've been a part of at this moment? And it was like, I need to do something to change and because I knew this is going to continue to go on just because the politics and what was going on in Israel at the time and I said I have to be now better prepared because when it happens again and if I encounter it I want to be able to be in real help than just a bystander and that's what changed that event changed my life that I turned my life around to understand that I'm called to serve, to help people in any way, shape, or form, in any <clears throat> crisis, and anything that I can do to make people's lives better, in the sense, and, and that's God's children, to help them out in any way, shape, that we can, and for sure when it's in a disaster. Right. And went back, yeah. Yeah, soon after that, you started uh, working in an organization called Zaka Israel, that responded to the suicide attacks. And a lot of times, you know, when you hear the news of a, another suicide bombing in Israel, people don't really actually know what happens inside of a restaurant or a bus. Uh, but Zaka Israel, can you explain what that group of volunteers did for the next four or five years during the Intifada? So because the verse that says from dust you come, from dust you come and dust you shall return once these attacks started to be more frequently we said we have to do something more professional to be able to collect the blood of all these uh, victims and the terror incidents so we start part of a start of organization that was called Zaka Israel it's an acronym identification victims of disaster Mm-hmm. And that we go when there's a terror incident, we will go and clean up after the math, collect the blood, collect the body parts, and bring them back to burial. And that's what uh, we started to volunteer, you know, go to each scene and 
at the time, nobody knew really knew what was, you know, this whole concept behind it, of that we go in and we collect all the blood until the organization became a formal organization with the police, that we are the official ones that go in now after every incident that's uh, unnatural, and we go and collect the body parts or the blood or from every different, in- from any whether it's a terror activity or a shooting or a car accident or stabbing, whatever it may be. And that's what kind of changed the life. And since that day, I've been going on to incidents all across Israel uh, to be able to do God's work. Israel, what is it like? You know, we in America haven't really come to terms with what actually it would be like to live in a, a country that is constantly under the threat of terrorism. So living there in Jerusalem and then Israel proper, what has it been like all of these years uh, to grow up in a country, in a city that's always under the threat of violence? I don't think we get up in the morning thinking of violence. It's part of the life, the way we grew up. We knew there's the Jews, we knew there's Arabs. We have to be aware if we saw packages on the road, that oh, but by bus stops, you know, we knew to tell an adult, we knew to stay clear of it until the police come and check it out. And we carried on our life as the years and the techniques of terrorism advanced from rocks to Molotov cocktail bottles to stabbing to shooting and to suicide bombers. Awareness advanced in the in the schools. The awareness advanced with the civilians in general. So I wouldn't say we get we think of terrorism all the time, but when something happens, we are more in tune to what's going on. I think for Christians, Stefanski, as we we're hearing your voice right now, it just reminds us that we need to constantly pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and pray for our elder brothers and sisters uh, that are living in in Jerusalem. And Israel. So we want you to know our, our prayers are with you. And from this whole experience, from bus number 18 until today, you've started an organization called ASTI, and you help the American Homeland Security personnel, uh, first responders, in helping them respond to terrorist attacks here in America. Can you explain what ASTI does? From my experience in Israel with terrorist attacks, and then helping out in 9-11, I said I have to take that experience and to translate to help U.S. first responders to save lives in America because in Israel we lost a lot of blood and I don't want Americans to lose um, blood because we didn't do anything. So Advanced Security Training Institute, the website is www.asti.org. It's a nonprofit organization that helps train and educate U.S. first responders to better protect their communities. And Israel, I I can tell you that we have met so many first responders from around America that have worked with you and have trained in Israel. We so appreciate you helping our country as we look towards what could happen here with with terrorism. So it's so great to have you with us, uh, Israel. And this month, uh, we have a wonderful teaching on the ancient Jewish concept of blessing, as well as the chosen curriculum that we've been discussing. And if you'd like to go to IsraelTeam.org for a donation of any size, we will give you a code and you can download this wonderful curriculum to help you 
in your own walk with the Lord and your own understanding of, of your Jewish Hebraic roots and the ancient Jewish concept of blessing. Thank you for being with us at Israel and You. Shalom, shalom. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.